Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Good morning. Man, it is a good day. We, uh, as you already know, uh, will have baptism here in a little bit. Um, I will. I will let you. I'll give you give you guys a little clue. Uh, one, I hope I don't fall into it. Um, but two uh, is is green. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Like so, pray for those who are getting dunked. Uh, it is. It is. But it's warm. It's warm. Like, listen, the last time, last time they did the baptisms, the Grove community did baptisms, Aaron calls me out and says, hey, man, this water's ice cold. I'm like, is it clear? He's like, yes. Ha! Lisa's clear. You can't have both. Which do you want? Do you want ice cold, clear water, or do you want green, warm water? I want green, warm water. All right? So I did feel it. It's not too slimy. <laughs> So we're excited for that later, uh, but thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm Pastor Jeremy. Um, we are in a table series. Uh, we've been in this series for, I think, I've, I lose track. Is this four weeks or five? Either way, what we have done here is created a place where community happens naturally. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you sit around a table, and when you sit around a table, these walls drop. You have conversation. And so what we wanted uh, everyone to know is that the main focal point of church, what we should be focused on, is not necessarily what's happening up here on the stage, but who's sitting across the table from you. That the people, and they're being encouraged and loved, is more important is more important than a performance here on the stage man we want people to be encouraged and loved and we know we uh what's crazy is we bought four more tables and added them this week um yeah should have it is it is like it's but but to watch when people walk in the doors when it's dark and they're like where do we go i don't know I uh, don't know. Um, so we're, we're working through some of those logistics, but I think that it's, it's been doing what we've wanted it to do. Um, uh, one of the things that we will fix, just so you know, is to my left and right, we have projectors that we haven't used for a while that we're going to get those back operational so those who are sitting you know, to left and right can see, see the words. Um, so we're, we're working some of those things out. So I appreciate your, your patience, but I also appreciate your willingness to take this seriously. Uh, and I just want to remind you of your homework, and that is at least once a month that you invite someone to your table, your dinner table, that you, not, not here, not your table here. Some of you have already claimed one. This is my table. I wrote, you wrote your name. I saw names on the table. <laughs> like, like, that you are inviting people to your table, that you, a, a coworker, uh, someone in your neighborhood, um, someone that, you, a family member, that you invite them to your table, that you sit down and you invest and engage in the lives of people. That's what we're called to do, right? And so that's your homework assignment uh, through the rest of 2023. So enjoy that. Have you noticed, have you noticed that uh, customer service hasn't really bounced back yet? 
Yeah. Three, three years now, and we're still trying to figure this thing out. Um, I was, we had our linked up uh, group this morning, um, the first of the three classes, and, uh, and I knew we were having a handful of people that were joining us, and so, so I go to, I'm not going to give the name, I go to a particular donut shop to order donuts, and, uh, and I tried calling ahead, because I was going to order three dozen, I was going to call ahead, give them, you know, some heads up, but they're a donut shop, they have donuts, right, so um, I go to this donut shop, and I walk up to the counter, and they're like, what would you like? I was like, three dozen donuts, she's like, And she's looking over at the donut rack like she's trying to think, I don't know if we have enough donuts. And so she looks at me and is like, how many did you want? Three, three dozen. It's not too many, but enough. She's like, oh, do we have three dozen? I'm like, you, you have 18 dozen right there. I'm like, who are you, are you expecting a rush? So I'm just sitting there thinking, just one three dozen. And so without arm wrestling or anything, she got me my three dozen, and I was able to, to, to leave. But it's just interesting to me um, that our, our culture has shifted anymore in any kind of service. Do um, you ever feel like you're inconveniencing someone? It's a little too loud amens up here. <laughs> I, I, I find it ironic that um, in, in church... Uh, what we have done historically is that we believe that the way to get people to stick around in church is to get them to serve. That's what we believe. We get them busy, they'll stay. And I wonder if we get people to fall in love with Jesus, they might stay, they might not, but they'll love him. And the love for him will continue to fan out from there. So maybe it's never really been about trying to get you to serve, to stay. Maybe it's always been about getting you to sit, to listen, to adore, to admire the Savior, the King, the Lord of Lords, the King of all kings, Jesus. So we're going to see that here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I will try not to take too long because I'm eager to get in this water behind me. It matches my shirt. In case you're wondering, that's the color green. Uh, <laughs> chapter, chapter 10, uh, verse 38 is where we're going to begin. I just have a handful of verses. I'm going to talk about them for a little bit, and then we will be done. Verse 30, 38 says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Uh, but Mary was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care about my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. If you underline and highlight, this might be a good verse. But one thing, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I know you've heard this uh, passage before, uh, and what's interesting is Mar Martha always gets the bad rep in this passage. Like, she's the one serving. 
marries one sitting. And even in churches today, you got your sitters and your servers, and there's always animosity between the two, right? You, you know, you're, if you're a server and you see someone who's not helping, you're like, is all you're going to do is sit around? That's it? And you're like, you should serve, right? And so if you're a doer, you get mad at those who just want to relax and rest. And I believe church should be a place where we have to get things done. We have to do things because it takes doing things to get things done. But church should also be a place of refuge and hope where those who are exhausted from out there should be able to come in here and find rest and hope. And so I think what Jesus is doing here is realigning our hearts within the context of what he's already, already said. So I have four observations that I'm going to walk through this passage with and uh, we'll be done. Here's my first observation is that this is a house of a woman. Now, here, here's what's interesting. We have so far in our table series have seen Jesus uh, go to uh, Levi's house uh, and have dinner with him and his uh, companions. We have seen Jesus go to uh, a Pharisee's house and uh, dine with them who seemingly thought he was self-righteous, Jesus still went. Then we saw Jesus feed the multitude uh, of people, 5,000 and more. And now what we're seeing is Jesus arriving to a house of a woman. And the reason why that is interesting is because all indications of this text lead us to believe that this is Martha's home, which is a cultural anomaly. I mean let you know. Um, this is very unusual, and I do believe that the detail helps us out a little bit to understand what is going on. Culturally speaking, during this time, unfortunately, women didn't have the same rights as men. They were oftentimes treated as second-class citizens. You see this throughout the Old Testament as culture becomes more degenerate. However, it is worth noting that just because we see this throughout the Bible doesn't make it an indicator of God's heart. But it exposes the extensiveness of the fracture created by sin back in Genesis 3. And so you have a culture that treats women as second class. So to identify this house as Martha's is intriguing. There are some laws that were in place back then. Here's one of them. There was a list of 10 classes of persons who were not competent. All right, I'm just reading the words. Don't get mad at me. All right, this is literally a quote. All right, 10 classes of persons who are not competent to attest or testify in court. Women, slaves, minors, lunatics, I always wonder like, who they were thinking of when they wrote this list, right? Like, that guy cannot testify, right? Let's put that down. Lunatics. The deaf, the blind, the wicked, the contemptible relatives, and the interested parties. That's the list. These are people who couldn't testify in court back in the ancient Near East, right? Even a group of women who saw the same act were not credible in the court of law. So it's ironic to me and interesting the way this thing shapes out that this was Martha's house. And why do we have that? Because oftentimes I think God does things uh, through the back door in unusual ways to let us know that if this is going to continue, it's because God is involved. It's why the testimony of Jesus resurrecting from the grave was first said by a, which would not have been credible 
That's not credible. Yet, in 2023, we are still sitting here by a credible testimony by a woman who saw that the grave was empty, and her name was Mary, and she's like, Jesus is risen. And so we are here to celebrate the fact that Jesus is still risen. Because it wasn't the testimony of a man that was making sure this message got out. It was the very act of God and his grace. So here you have Martha, who was, if was unmarried, would live at her parents' house. And if she, her parents were no longer alive, then this house would go to the brother Lazarus. Therefore, the text leads us to believe that Martha must be, if we were to conclude, a widow. And this was her house. Either way, Jesus is shattering cultural, traditional boundaries by going to her home. I love that Jesus is willing to dine at any table he's invited to. You're a tax collector, a sinner? I'll come. Oh, you think you're self-righteous? And that's going to get you where you need to be? Oh, you're inviting me? Jesus comes. A crowd of people come, and they're hungry. Jesus has compassion. He feeds them. He's on his way, walking, invited to the house of a woman, Martha. He goes. It doesn't matter how low you are on the socioeconomic scale or how high you are. When the invitation is there, Jesus goes. And I'm thankful for that because there's moments in my life, seasons in my life, where I'm as low as you can get. That's how I feel. That's based on my actions and my deeds. Like, I'm low. And the fact that Jesus, in his grace and kindness, is willing to still dine with me, it's incredible. And there's moments where I feel pretty, pretty good about myself, pretty self-righteous. And Jesus shows up at the table to remind me. You know? You're not as good as you think you are. Like, I thought him and I were going to have this cup of coffee, and I was going to tell him how to do things. And he comes to the table to remind you and I, mm, you were not there when the heavens and earth were created. Jesus joins Martha's house, Martha's table. My uh, second observation is this, that hospitality is a big deal. Uh, Jesus was invited, and, and like any good host, Martha's like, we got to make sure this is going to work out well. So she is constantly going around. Anyone ever invite someone over to your house, and the entire day before they come, you're cleaning? <laughs> you're like, they need to know that this is not how we live, right? <laughs> like, you're, you're putting things everywhere. You're like, they come over, like, man, your house is so nice. I was like, yeah, how do you do it? You know, just little things here and there, right? <laughs> like, you spent the entire day getting ready. You want people to say, is this house I ever lived in? Yeah, this is us. This is us. But what happens here is Martha knows that Jesus is coming, so she is serving. And to give you a little bit of context, most believe that this is happening during the Feast of the Booths, or the Feast of the Tabernacles. And what that is during that time is that they would be feasting outside of their house in a tabernacle or a booth that they created. Um, that's where they would eat and they would celebrate. And so more than likely, what Martha is doing is running back and forth from the house to the tent, the house to the tent, to bring the food, to make sure everything's right. And every trip, she gets a little bit more indignant at Mary. Woman? Sister? What are you doing? Do you see me running back and forth? You need to come and help. 
And I don't know if you ever tried to get a sibling to do something. That didn't work. So she went straight to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you tell her to stop being lazy and to work? And so uh, the reason is because in the Mosaic law, the Old Testament is laced with significant amount of both general and specific laws about hospitality. Martha was doing a good thing. She's not condemned for what she was doing. It was a good thing. She understood the importance of being an amazing host, and she knew the prestigiousness of her company being Jesus. She wanted everything to be excellent. Serving, listen to me, is a good thing. Finding ways to serve your family, to serve your church and your community should be both important and valued. But we must remember the context of this text. Uh, I think we treat Luke 10 with isolated events. But Jesus just finishing, I don't know if you know this, he just finished talking about or displaying the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan seems to be a bit opposed to what he's doing with Mary Martha. The Good Samaritan story is someone who recognizes that someone's in need and they help and serve that person. And yet he arrives to this house and all of the sudden, Martha is doing what it looks like to love your neighbor, Jesus coming in, and yet he critiques her. The motive and the impetus behind the parable of the Good Samaritan is the importance of loving and serving your neighbor. And so I think it's ironic or a bit coincidental that Jesus reprimands Martha for doing exactly what he just taught moments before. However, serving isn't the end-all, be-all. Serving isn't the arrival point of Christianity. Surrender is. Maybe we need to hear that. Serving is not the arrival point of Christianity, it is surrender. Serving will not overcompensate your lack of relationship with Jesus. Serving isn't the root of our relationship, or the root, but our relationship with Jesus is. Um, Serving is the fruit of it. Meaning, Growing our intimacy with Jesus is priority, and serving is the overflow of that. And in churches, we have done it backwards. Get people to serve, even though they're empty of Jesus. If you just serve, you'll start to, man, your sins will be, you'll, you'll forget about those. Those will uh, fade away. Just stay focused. Serve and serve and serve. We've got plenty of places to serve. Serve over here. Oh, that didn't work for you? we got another place. Serve over here. And we make or encourage people to serve before they've surrendered. And then they surrendered, and then we quickly get them to serve, so they stay. I just spit everywhere. That was not on purpose. Like, that's that's not what we do. 
If you are ever asked to serve here, please know it's never to convince you or make you to stay here at this church. The reason why you're asked to serve here is because things need to be done and the burden needs to be shared. But your first thing, your priority is to fall madly and deeply in love with Jesus. And that's what we are about. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to do here in the context of the Good Samaritan. Is that yes, serving is important. Recognizing that people are in trouble and in need are important. But as according to this passage, the Lord answered her in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. So, my third observation is this. I would argue that sitting denotes surrender, complete humility and total dependency, that sitting means you are listening and you are exposed and you are called with the teachings of Jesus. Let me explain. I believe sitting is more than, or sitting more than serving exposes the heart. Uh, people can serve and not surrender. They can stay busy for the Savior, but not be committed to the Savior. People can serve to make it look like they are in a relationship with Jesus, but they really just want people to think they are. The best way for us to hide, and this, this needs to reverberate into our hearts, the best way for people to hide our hearts from one another is by staying busy and serving. If you don't want your heart to be known, you stay busy. The moment you actually have to sit down and find that moment of rest and intimacy with the person across the table from you is the moment your heart might be exposed. But some of us never allow that time to settle in so our hearts are never exposed. I think we hide. We stay busy serving as a way to cope with the sin in our lives, we are refusing to turn over to Jesus. We serve to overcompensate the guilt from choosing sin or other things over Jesus. If I serve, then I'm paying penance for the wrongdoings I've done. I haven't been able to attend church, so I'll just serve here, and it will overcompensate for my lack of sitting. I'll just serve. I think that's what Jesus is calling to the carpet here. Um, serving makes us feel better while sitting makes us better. Serving makes us feel better, but sitting at the feet of Jesus actually makes us better because he makes us whole. It is different. And we have a lot of people filling the churches who feel better, but aren't better. The number one excuse on why we do not spend time reading the Bible, when I say reading the Bible, I mean sitting at the feet of Jesus more, is because we stay busy. And I would contend that we stay busy so we don't have to sit at his feet. I think it's just different. We just stay busy so we don't have to, we can use the excuse. I was just too busy. Because the moment we sit at his feet, we are exposed, we are confronted, and we are called to respond. 
So in order to not sit at the feet of Jesus, we stay busy. It's why you'll hear me at times harp on how our culture's set up with sports, how our culture's set up with extracurricular activities, how our culture is set up with all kinds of things that are trying to entertain us and keep us busy. Because we feel justified in our busyness on why we didn't have time to sit. And sitting's not what's important anyways, it's serving, so I'm okay. When I'm there, I'll serve. No. I don't think that's what it's called to. In fact, if I could call your attention to the most frightening statement Jesus made. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. Most frightening statement. Ready? This is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But look at this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? Luke adds, did we not eat with you? Did we not do all of these things in your name? In fact, what Jesus is calling out here is that there are many people who did a lot of things in the name of Jesus, yet they never knew him. And worse... You did all these many works in your name. Didn't we do all these many works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know how terrifying it is as a pastor? To present a church mentality where you can stay busy doing all the things yet never actually surrendered to Jesus. That's terrifying. I don't want anything that occurs here. Your ability to lift your hands while you praise, your ability to do works around the church, to ever think that that's what saves you or that's what identifies that you are saved. What identifies you being saved is your willingness to surrender to the feet of Jesus and say that he is Lord, he is king, he is on the throne, he deserves it all. That, that's what, it, and we need as a group of people to get to a place where sitting trumps serving because it exposes our hearts. My last observation, as Danielle can make her way forward, is this um, Mary chose the good portion, which I love that it's stated that way because when I think of good portion I always think of food are you judging me you did too I say good portion you're like steak yes please good portion of steak is 28 ounces anything less than that is not good some of you are like you crazy no I'm right <laughs> good portion it's interesting that how Jesus identified what Mary was doing was something as of good and of the right portion. It doesn't mean what Martha was doing was in, insignificant or innately wrong. It meant that Jesus was there in that moment and Martha or Mary found her spot at his feet, listening to what he was saying. Meaning, while dining with Jesus, Maybe 
the best position for us to take in the room is at his feet, drinking in everything he's saying. Meaning we, we are more than just servants to Jesus. We're friends. You, you ever let that set in? If all he wanted to accomplish was get people to serve him, serve for him, then we'd be servants. But we're more than that to Jesus. He calls us friends. And not only as a friend, as the creator of the heart. So if I have a friend who's also the creator of the heart, that means he actually will handle my heart well. Because I've had many friends who don't handle my heart well. But if Jesus calls me a friend and he's there with me and I know he's the one that created the heart, I can trust him with my heart. So then when he exposes, that area is crooked. That area is wrong. The way your heart is bringing you is actually not right. I can trust him because he's my good portion. He cares about our hearts so much. He wants us to have time to deal with the issues he exposes in our hearts. He wants us to spend significant amounts of time in his presence at his feet, learning his heart. The takeaway from this particular portion of scripture is that I think it is right for us to pause and to sit and to say, have your way with me. There's a few verses. I'm just going to read them. When you talk about portion, uh, Psalm 16:5 says this, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 40 or 142.5, I cry to you, O Lord, I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. This language was very familiar. So when Jesus says it, Luke's like, this needs to be written down, that Jesus Christ is our good portion. There is four people in the audience today who has already made the decision that Jesus is their good portion. Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening.